This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Welcome to the Evan Lazar Complaint Hour featuring Alex Barth. Evan doesn't want to talk about football again because he just did for the last week. Anyway. Long week. 22. That was tough. I. Uh, what do you want? You're gonna I, open the show complaining, complaining again? No, I'm actually gonna do the opposite because everybody else is complaining. Okay. And call, you okay. can call in and complain some more. That was. I, I don't know how much of, of unfiltered you heard, Alex. Uh, I'm not gonna take offense if you didn't hear any of it, but that was a rough two hours. I heard you going after Jacoby Myers. That's pretty much it. Look. I say this, and I, I, I'm, I have, I have two takes that I want to get off my chest right now, and, Do and, it. Then, and then you can, you can tell me I'm wrong. Or have, wait, you have you to. debuted the other take? No, that one's coming. Okay, that's coming. All right, so, we have, hang on, we have a take that Evan texted me last night that I'm, he, I told him to wait for the show to debut, and I'm very excited for this because I think it's a great take. It's a good. I'm take. jealous I didn't think of it first, so hang on for that. Did but let's get thing? the other takes He's first. Jealous he didn't hear of it first. Because uh, it does seem do like something who, I would come you know up who with. Who did hear something first yesterday? Who? Me. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't break it. I broke it to you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's how I have to operate now. Is uh, I'm I'm allowed to text Alex about you know some of the little birdies that I I hear things from. So uh, yesterday, you know, the Patriots signed Juju Smith-Schuster. We know that. Uh, we're going to go through all the free agent, external free agent signings that they've made because I, I think those are the real ones that people want to know about these new guys. And I, we all we have takes about all of them, but I, I want to get two things off my my chest right away. It was a rough two hours just now because I think a lot of people are being extremely impatient about this whole process right of they got to do something now they got to do something immediate Uh, and I think what shocks me the most is that people are of the opinion that getting a better receiver which is what I thought we all wanted was better receivers right better weapons better playmakers for Mac Jones more explosive playmakers more whatever right say that right whatever adjective you want to use Better football players for Mac Jones is what we all wanted, right? And in the offense in general and the offense as a whole. And they went out and they got a better football player. And a player that I'm going to start calling player A because I think his name alone carries weight for people. I think they hear the name Juju and they remember him dancing on the what was it, the Bengals logo Bengals, yeah. a, a couple years ago like they that's where their brain automatically goes to because we've gotten so many emails and calls about TikTok and about things that have nothing to do with football if i told you that the patriots were going to get a player who brought a lot of the same skills to the table that Jacoby Myers did but he actually creates with the football in his hands after the catch and is much more dynamic with the football in his hands to actually generate bigger plays down the field with his yak ability. Wouldn't you be happy about that? Like, isn't that something that we should all be happy about? And I, I understand, I am fully on board with the take that it's not enough, that they need to keep adding. And of course they need to keep adding, but I want us all to sit back for a second and evaluate Juju Smith-Schuster in Jacoby Myers out just in a vacuum, right? Like, like, don't think about it from a big picture sense of what's next and what's the next domino to fall because we'll get to that. Yeah. But just comparing the two football players on the field, if you are watching those two guys and just 
just trust your eyes for once. Don't look at the fantasy football numbers. Don't look at the box score. Can I just say never look at the fantasy football numbers right. when it comes to this stuff? Just, just you don't need to just do that. Trust your eyes. Watch, watch Juju Smith-Schuster move on a football field, and watch Jacoby Myers do it side by side. And tell me who you think is the more dynamic player. Who's the better football player? And the other thing, I'll, I'll just—I'm just so surprised that some of the intangible elements of this are starting to creep in with people because since when it was that good enough the the locker room guy the scheme fit right like the the quarterback's best friend like why does that any of that matter like I just don't understand why that matters so much to people now because all season long going into free agency all everybody wanted to do was upgrade on offense and now they did that at least in this situation right and it's oh well but everybody loves Jacoby he's a great I love Jacoby too he was a good teammate he was fantastic to all of us he was a a really great guy and I am not slandering him I think is the word that you used right I'm not trying to do that I am simply analyzing football right football player versus football player and I'm taking Juju all day every day I'll I'll just say on the locker room stuff real quick a lot of the people saying, well, will he work in New England were the same people saying, why'd they re-sign Matthew Slater? Who cares about the leadership? Right. You get to pick one or the other. You don't get to make both arguments. As for Smith-Schuster, the player, so I'll give you the numbers, and these are the per-game averages because Jacoby missed some games last year, obviously, right? Uh, uh, Jacoby and Juju last year. Catches per game. Jacoby, 4.8. Juju Smith-Schuster, 4.9. Yards per game, Jacoby, 57.5. Juju, just over 58, 58.3. So nearly identical. Now, and I'm actually curious to get your opinion on this. So I tweeted that out. I didn't add a take. I just said, here are the numbers from last year. And people were furious. But half of the people were furious because, well, Jacoby put up those numbers, uh, getting number one coverage and all of that. And so he clearly had to work harder for that. And half the people said, yeah, well, Juju put up those numbers because, or, or Jacoby only put up those numbers because there was nobody else to throw to. And, and Juju was the third wide receiver in the offense, and he gets coverage protection from Travis Kelsey and Miko Hardman. So basically, simultaneously had people yelling at me that both of welcome their numbers to, were inflated. Welcome to free agency. Well, here's what I want to ask you, because I've personally gone back and forth on it. Whose numbers are really more inflated there? Personally... I trust Juju's numbers more because okay. he's done it in Pittsburgh and he's done it in Kansas City. Right. And it's it, I've seen it before uh, and I think it's replicable. And the biggest thing is, is what I, I keep going back to is that all I wanted from this offseason in terms of who they went out yeah. and added was guys that could create with the football. Okay, so, so I'm going to get to That's that in it. a second. But I wanted to make that point and and the take has been, well, okay, he did that with Patrick Mahomes. Can he do right. it with... With Mac Jones, it might not look exactly the same, but he's also going to have, should have, significantly more opportunities yeah. here. Now, you're, I, I, I think, I know this is going to scare some people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh oh. There are, the way I look at this signing, sort of reminds me, sort of, of John U. Smith, and here's why. Evan, we were having this debate. Remember the great debate of the 2021 offseason was John U. Smith or Hunter Henry. And the reason I was skittish on John U. Smith was, well, the signing's only going to be as impactful as they make it 
He's a scheme touch guy. Yeah. They have to put him in position to use his best skill sets. Josh McDaniels always sort of struggled with that in New England. And obviously last year was last year. He didn't have an offensive coach. This to me is a big, uh, this is a big, I, I don't want to say show of trust because I think they trust him, but like Bill, O'Bri- this is a Bill O'Brien player. Yeah. This is a guy you are bringing in with the idea that Bill O'Brien is going to maximize him. So let's see what the usage is because if it's what it should be, if O'Brien's going to use him like he's used slot receivers in the past, it makes a lot more sense because to what you said, the yards after catchability that this offense has missed so badly since Julian Edelman left, Juju Smith-Schuster, in theory, brings that. Last year, six yards per six yards after the catch per reception. That was a career high. Going back to 2017, Evan, of receivers with at least 400 catches, Juju Smith-Schuster is second in the NFL in yak average at 5.6 Yards after the catch per reception among all receivers in the NFL since he entered the league with at least 400 catches, which is about like 50, 60 catches a year. Right. The only guy ahead of him is Cooper Cup. Three, four, five, Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, Tyreek Hill. So you mentioned a name in there. And by the way, that's an average, so it's not like he has an advantage by playing more right. games. You mentioned a name in there that I am hopeful that if Juju Smith-Schuster reaches his ceiling yep. here in New England that I think his game is most replicable to. Was it Cooper Cup? No, it's oh. not. I'm not going to go there because I don't want to. I don't want right, to. I, I mean, I already compared him to John Smith, Smith, so you could offset it the other way. Chris Godwin. Because Chris Godwin and Juju, to me, are both power slots. I, I right? feel like Godwin has much more speed, though. I, I don't know if he does. I, right. I, they're, they're similar players, I think, right? In terms of they're inside guys that are built more like outside guys, but they're inside players. They have that. They don't have jitterbug yak ability. They have straight line sort of, uh, you know, that ability to run through tacklers, right? They're and, power backs. If yeah. they were running backs, we'd call them power backs. Right. And I'm not saying that he's going like, to bowl somebody over. I'm saying that if you try to dive at him and just bring him down with an arm tackle he's got the contact balance and the power to be able to just run through that tackle and keep going uh that that's i think what i see a lot with godwin now i think with juju you mentioned his usage and things like that what i'm optimistic about why i'm so optimistic about this signing is that i think that they're going to use him in basically the same way that they use jacoby myers but instead of going down at 12 yards now they have the opportunity of okay we're going to hit him at 12 yards and maybe 12 yards becomes 25 right, right. if we can get him loose uh, maybe those situations end up tacking on more. This is a guy that really in Kansas City, and I, I think you know in Pittsburgh as well. Uh, he runs a lot of in-breaking routes, right? Slants, digs, uh, overs or crossing routes, if you want to call that, uh, call it whichever one you want to call it. Uh, yeah, he ran a lot of hitches uh, with Kansas City, yeah, as well. Uh, just you know, quick hitch routes, you know over the ball routes, things like that. And he's got that ability to break a tackle. He's got that ability to shrug off a tackle and keep going and pick up some extra yards. He also has that ability, though, at 6'1", 215, uh, which we went back fo- back and forth with a little bit yesterday, me and you and me and Deuce, uh, running whip routes, right? You know, yeah. Running the, the quick juke routes that the Patriots are going to run. To be fair, I didn't say he couldn't do it. The one clip you picked to highlight it, like there were so many more impressive examples and you were just nope. stuck on this one yes. that only looked impressive because of the camera angle. No. He runs by, the defender dives at him and misses. You 
need to find the back angle that, of that. that. But that's exactly what the defender diving at him and him not just going down by the shoestring is is an improvement. Oh, which is great. <laughs> okay. But there's also clips where he like legitimately breaks tackles, but you said those were flukes. So I was just the very... one against Buffalo was a fluke. His touchdown against Buffalo, I, I don't don't okay, show but that there highlight. Were, there were other clips more educated you sent me and I was like, these are so much better. It was just very it was, I agree with you. He can break tackles. It was very yes. weird how you so, chose to display it. Uh, good. Uh those are the types of things that I see with his game is that in this offense with Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, this is going to be a timing rhythm based system. It's right. not going to be bombs away. They're not going to be playground Patrick Mahomes, and they're not going to be, uh, you know, no risk it, no biscuit B- Bruce Arians either. Right. So they're going to be in living in that five to 15 yard range. And now you have a guy that first of all, loves being in that zone, short to intermediate, middle of the field, right? Short That's to where Mac Jones is at his best middle of the field and gives you, and gives you some yards after the catch ability. That to me is a, is a, it's a great signing that that's exactly what they have been missing. That's exactly what they need. Now, with that being said, I am not sitting here and telling anybody just because I like Juju and I like the signing, and you know why I like Juju because he's a he's a Trojan. It is I'm a little biased on that one, but you hate the Pac-12. I hate the Pac-12, but I I I, I do love USC guys. Anyways, that doesn't mean I think that they're done either. Like I'm not sitting here saying that oh they got Juju, they got the number one guy. We're all we're all done. Sunshines and rainbows. Yeah, done. Right. Uh, see you in September. No, they they got to keep adding, and uh, this is where the the take comes in that you mentioned that I I mentioned to you yesterday off the air of what what do they now go out and get to pair with Juju and I'm talking about not names yes uh, which yeah. we're going to get to but also just playing style right and, sure. and, and the type of receiver uh, because I think that's important and uh, you can call in 855 Pats 500 uh, web radio at patriots.com is the email we already got some callers so uh, I'm going to get this take out and, and kind of set the table yeah. here on this and then we'll take some of these calls and we'll go from there the main thing is to me now you got Juju I think Hunter Henry is still going to be a part of this plan and part a part of the so, offense. Yeah. I think one of Kendrick Bourne or Devontae Parker is probably going to emerge. And Tyquan's the wild card, right? I'm not right, I'm not right. counting on anything from Tyquan, but he's the wild card in this whole this whole thing. So when I look at outside of Tyquan, who again I don't know what he is, so I can't really count him yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Outside of Tyquan, I think the one critique. Although I think Juju is a faster, more explosive version of Jacoby Myers, uh, the one critique is is that I think they still need some speed. They they still need some speed, especially speed on the outside. And the main reason being is that if if Juju is going to live in the middle of the field and we're going to do all these things that I just gushed about for the first fifteen minutes, right? You got to get the safeties off of him. You got to let him go up against slot corners and linebackers and things like that, where he can win foot races because he's a low four fives guy. He's not a burner, right? He's not a fast right. receiver. Yeah. So they need to get somebody to pair with him that has some vertical element to his game and has some field stretching ability now. And it's like a legitimate threat in that sense. Not yeah. just like a, you know, plug, not Nelson Aguilar, not right? Nelson Aguilar, not Philip Dorsey, not a plug and play X because, right. and this goes back to that conversation we had earlier about, Oh, well he put those numbers up with Mahomes, and how do they maximize that? How do they replicate that? Well, first and foremost, you make sure he's getting one-on-ones. Yeah. You talked about the whip route seven. He's going to win one-on-ones if you can get them for him. But, 
if and this is a big overarching take I've had all offseason. Same reason I don't want them taking a tight end in the first round. Right now, teams can still just sort of stack the box against yeah, them. Yeah, they're still slow. You need somebody on the outside to stretch out that defense horizontally to or yeah, horizontally. Either way, vertically or horizontally. I, I, I think horizontally even vertically, like yeah, all right, that's fair. But just they can still stack the box against you. They can still hone in on Juju like they honed in on Jacoby Myers last year. And if that's if that's the signing, if that's it, it's just the upgrade, then they very much didn't do enough. So there needs to be another guy. And hand up, Evan. I'll say it. And everybody knows I love this player. I've been super high on this player. I still very much think he's a great player. But at this point, uh, we're probably done with Jerry Judy. Yeah. He's a slot guy. So th- they have their slot this guy. A, this is a good Going mention. to the boundary. Uh, Judy, uh, we got an email, and I've gotten some replies as well on Twitter about about Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? Yeah. Oh, I think it's another guy that's probably crossed off the list now that you have somebody like Juju. JSS in, JSN out. Yeah, right. And I think Judy, your guy, unfortunately, is, is overlapping. Right, so we both just too. lost our favorite player of the offseason. So now the question <laughs> is, is who do we want to pivot to? I, I have an opinion on this. I, I'm very excited for this I don't take. think people are really going to like it. They're not ready for it. They're not ready for Brace it. Brace yourselves. I don't think they're going to like it because everybody wants the big move for the number one receiver, the guy that we can go buy his jersey, right? That's what I keep hearing uh, from all of our listeners, which uh, who I love, by the way. Yes. Uh, I'm just being sassy. You know what? Here, you know what the Patriots. Let me set this up for you. You know yeah. what the Patriots are overdue for this offseason? Everybody's talking about the Patriots are checking bingo, or they've done this yeah, move and that yeah. move, and it's all typical the Patriots. Retread move. I was going to say reunion. Reunion. Yeah. The reunion move. Yeah. So, what did I mention before? It was that they that needs that would be a good pairing, a vertical receiver. Yeah. Some speed on the outside. On the boundary. Some, yep. some legitimate speed, and not only just so that they can hit some big plays down the field because that would be fun, uh, but also because they need to be able to clear out the middle of the field, right? Yes. Like they need to be able to get Juju and Hunter Henry, who I think is going to be a part of this, like I keep saying. They need to get those guys some space and some breathing room so that they can go and do their things. Yep. I am willing to open that door up for Taekwon. Like Taekwon sure. should have that door wide open. So give him a chance to win that job. Correct. By the can, way, people have guessed you're taking the chat. So they can stretch the field. The guy, yeah, because you said he was a, a reunion. The guy that, multiple I, that I look at that I that I gravitated towards yesterday that I'm like, this makes all the sense in the world is Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Because Brandon Love Cooks Love it. Brings all of those elements that I just mentioned. They have size, they have power. With the other Certainly. guys, right? Parker and Juju and Hunter Henry and those guys, they bring all of those elements. Even Tyquan's like 6'3". I know he's not big, but he's there's some they size need a game. There. They need game-breaking speed. Yes. And I think Brandon Cooks is a guy that probably isn't going to garner the trade demands that Ju- Judy or DeAndre Hopkins, who I, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the one guy that's like, okay, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be upset if they make a move right. for DeAndre Hopkins. But to be honest, he's kind of slower too, right? He's not like a known as a burner by any means. That's not his game. Uh, yeah, he stretches the field with contested catches, right? But that's not right. that's not his game. So I, I look at this and I say this dropping Brandon Cooks in to this offense and then hedging that with Taekwon, right? Like having Taekwon be plan B yeah. and maybe learning something or a thing or two 
from Brandon Cooks, who has basically the same skill set as he does and has just been more proven with it in the league, it is a move that I could definitely see them entertaining, making what, and I think that that's the exact type of receiver that they need. The draft, it, I struggle in the draft now a little bit because I don't know if the right guy at the top of the draft at the 14th overall pick is there. He's not. In this one. Now, Quentin Johnston, we both have been on the record, I think, about being lukewarm on yep. Quentin Johnston. I, you know, Deuce had the take on Unfiltered. I don't disagree with him that it makes a little bit more sense now. Sure. Just because of the type of receiver that Juju is to pair him with somebody, that big explosive outside receiver like Quentin Johnston. But I still don't love it. I don't think that Zay Flowers is a natural outside receiver either. I don't think so. I think he's an inside guy. I, that can play both inside and outside, but ideally is an, is more of an inside player. Brandon cooks that that's the guy that I can see. You need to have different types of skill sets. You need to have right. a complementary skill set to Juju Smith Schuster. And I'm hard pressed to find one on the open market that gives you better than Brandon cooks. I, I don't want to get into a position where you got a bunch of slower contested catch guys, right? Like you're just, Downing on the field stretching element coming from, you know, Devontae Parker winning a 50 50 ball or even T. Higgins winning a 50 50 ball. I think you got to have some guys that can run through a defense and bring past the defense, really. And that's what Cooks can do. And yeah, it's a good take. Again, I don't, you know, maybe is Flowers the guy? Yeah, but I don't love using the 14th pick on a guy you're instantly going to play out of position. I wonder if Quentin Johnson has that kind of speed. And there's also a learning curve there. I mean, at that point, Realistically, in the draft last year, where does Quinston, Quinton Johnston go in last year's class? Yeah, I think he's he's probably still an end of the first round guy, but he he does have a little bit of like Traylon Burks in his game. I think he's faster. But my my but... point is like everybody's going to look at it well because what I'm going to say is basically at that point just go with Taekwon. Right. People are going to look at that. Well, it's the 14th pick versus the 50th pick. What's well, the 14th pick in one of the weakest wide receiver classes in years? Versus the 50th pick in one of the strongest wide receiver classes in years. At that point, it you're going to have the same issues. I'm not necessarily saying Tyquan's definitely a better player than Quentin Johnston, but you're going to have the exact same question marks. Yeah. Right? About Route development. and development. Or oh, even yeah. just like bigger picture, right? Development, taking that next step. Can he handle number one NFL coverage? Things like that. So at that point, it's redundant. I, I would like to see him get a veteran in that field stretching role. I see a ton of people bringing it up in the chat, so I'm just going to mention it. The play in the Eagles Super Bowl, he made one dumb play, Brandon Cooks did, and it was a dumb play. He's also a 1,000-yard receiver that year. He's been a 1,000-yard receiver for most of his career, despite jumping from team to team to team, yeah. which is not easy. Brandon Cooks and is... And playing with some iffy quarterbacks. Iffy's nice. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been... Pretty much his entire time in the NFL, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I've long been a fan of his, but like, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great take. I and think Brandon it, Cooks just, he helps you in in the ways that I outlined, but I also just, I love the idea of not putting the pressure on Tyquan to be Brandon right. Cooks right away. You get actual Brandon Cooks for a, a year or two in here, then maybe Tyquan takes the the torch right eventually right. and that's what you hope for the only other guy that and then well and then i'd say and yeah. if and then if you want to go later in the draft right ronnie bell bryce ford wheaton uh justin shorter like one of these x guys later in the draft then then you do that maybe you find something there but it's just i just think drafting quinn johnson 14th would be so redundant 
Yeah, it's it's not my favorite approach either. I, I like the Brandon Cooks trade. I think the only other guy that comes to mind is probably my favorite for this, and I think it's their favorite for it. And that's just a hunch. I'm not I'm okay. not trying to uh, report anything here. Uh, so don't don't come at me if this doesn't end up happening. But I, I do think that their preference would be Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that would be ideal, yeah. Because I, from what I have been able to gather about their pursuit in free agency is that they would rather, and I, this is, you understand why, uh, they would rather not part with draft capital and salary cap. Sure. So if they can go out and get a guy like Odell as a free agent that they just have to pay and they're not giving up both compared assets. to a guy like Hopkins. I think Hopkins is, is, or Judy yeah. or, you know, cooks even is probably going to be a third or a fourth round pick. Uh, and then $18 million in base salary. So Odell, now the things I've heard about Odell going back to last year. So Odell was telling people last year that he wanted to play for the Rams. Like even when yeah. he was still in Cleveland, he was telling people that he wanted to play for the Rams. So nobody in his, circle was surprised at all when he signed with the Rams when he was released by the Browns last season but the one thing that you hear from Odell uh side of things is that he more I I would actually say that maybe even more so than the money um that that's been out there that he wants that 20 million dollar a year figure I think that he wants to play with an established veteran quarterback, right? And the right. the big rumor right now uh, is that, you know, Dak and, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys are really interested in Odell or making a push for Odell. So that would make sense, you know, with Dak Prescott. I think he's always had an affinity for maybe playing in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. So you're going to have to sell Odell, and my guess is, is sell him financially on coming to New England and, and pairing up with Mac Jones on the fact – that you're paying with Matt Jones instead of Patrick Mahomes, right? right? And so that's going to have to come with compensation. Like, you're going to have to overpay him a little bit. You're going to have to be the highest bidder on the market for Odell, I think, to get Odell. And I, I don't know if that – I don't know if they'll do that. So that's why I, I, I think they might have to pivot. But I think between Odell and Brandon Cooks, those are – that's my wish list. Those can are I, the two guys. Can I throw out an idea of how they might do that? Yes. E- even if it's not total dollars, and look, they need to be competitive in total dollars. The Chiefs, um, who, who the other teams you mentioned, you only Dallas. mentioned like three teams. Dallas, right? These are teams that are well. Dallas isn't a contender, but they think they're a contender. The Chiefs are actually a contender. <laughs> right? Dallas with Odell and C.D. Lamb. All might right, be that's a fair. The point being, like, these are teams that are not going to give a thirty-year-old receiver coming off multiple ACL tears a multi-year deal, right? Because they can't afford to get bogged down by that contract if his knee isn't healthy. And, you know, they got to look elsewhere because they want to pursue a title. The Patriots, and, and look, Beckham's good, probably going to want multiple years, ideally. Yes. If he go, I don't think he can get that and go to a contender. I agree with you. To me, the Patriots' edge is, do you guarantee him money over multiple years? Now, that's obviously incredibly risky. Yeah. Might be, a, I know it would be a, a lot of non-starter for people who are listening and playing armchair GM. It might be a non-starter for the Patriots. But they're not going to compete by giving him a one-year contract. They're just, I think, even if it's the most money, because a one-year contract is a reset contract. He's trying to reset his value and then go get a big deal next year. He's going to do that in Kansas City. He's more so than he's going to do it here. You have to give him the multi-year deal he's open and get next year. It doesn't mean five years. Two or three. Two or three, right? But if the Patriots are to compete, to me, that's how they compete for Odell Beckham, is multiple years that, it, like, and not just... Multiple years, but, oh, we're going to front load all the guaranteed money. No. Like, 
Right. He's here for two years. Right. You have to give him the contract that when Adam Schefter tweets out that Odell signed with the right. Patriots, he gets to, to, to gloat about that he hit the number. Right. right. Like a, it has to be a three-year full value, max value of around $60 million. Yeah. And because he wants – I don't know if – I don't have that information that he wants the $20 million a year, but I think that that's the number that has been floated out there that he wants to try to hit, and that certainly tells you – everybody, everybody wants $20 million. I think it's just the benchmark guys use. Oh, oh, Odell got the bag, right? right. Like that's what he wants, the, I think, the narrative to be based off of what's been out there and what's been reported. So if that's the case, I – Personally, I, I would do something like that because I think the Patriots are in a position where they they need to go for it in that respect, right? They yeah. they need to make a swing at one of these guys and finally uh, pay up for. It. They got Juju really on a on a good deal, you know. They did. They yeah. got Juju on a nice on a nice contract, good player that they got on a nice deal. They didn't overpay for Juju. They got him right where they they. Uh, in a team-friendly manner. Yeah. So I, I think if they're going to get Odell, they're going to have to overpay. I think if they want to just maybe go with somebody that's a little bit outside the box and maybe it isn't the big name necessarily like a DeAndre Hopkins, like an Odell, I, I think Brandon Cooks might end up being their guy. All right, let's let's take some calls. We're also going to get to some of the other moves uh, that they made over the last couple of days. But Tony in Canada, Tony, thanks for hanging on. How you doing? Tony. Tony. Oh, no, not Tony. All right, Tony, call back in, and uh, we'll get you on the air. What's up, Patty? How you doing? What's up, guys? Hey. Um, first off, I got to say last week, last week's show when you called um, Alex, when he called Evan the ponytail guy from Goodwill Hunting and then dropped the freaking uh, It's Always Sunny reference, I was like, this, this show's awesome. <laughs> Thank I, you. I love the show, guys. Thank you. I can't you. say it enough. He um, is, though, I, isn't he? Like, was I wrong? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I haven't seen there that movie go. in like 15 oh, years. It's a good movie. I don't even know if I get the reference anymore. Like I do because I sent you the scene. I texted you the scene <laughs> after I made the reference. Anyway, sorry, all right. sorry Patty. Patty, go what do you got? <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, but Evan, you know, I, I like what you did on you today. Don't let anyone give you a crap. But I just wanted to bring up, um, it wasn't John Vandis. It was whoever he was doing the show with yesterday who brought up how Zay Flowers might actually be like the perfect, and I know you guys just brought him up, um, perfect wide receiver to compliment Juju Smith-Schuster. And that way, I mean, you're using a draft asset, but you're not giving it away. You're actually, you know, giving that guy at least four years here in the system to see what he can do. And I'm sorry for the background noise, guys, but I, I just okay. wanted to get your opinions on that as, instead of just going the free agent route. Yeah, so thanks for the call, Patty, as always. I, I do like Zay. I, if I like Brandon Cooks with the pairing with, with Juju, then I can see it with Zay, too. Zay has some really good film on the outside at BC where he's maybe a little bit better out there than people give him credit for, I think, on on verticals, right? Double moves, you know, just straight go balls, things right. like that. But his size, 5'9", uh, 180, it, it definitely – it definitely projects a little bit better to the slot, but I, I think he can play off of Juju nicely. Like, I do think that that's a nice uh, route to go. We come back to the same thing we've come back to with Zay Flowers, uh, who I think I'm going to go see next week at BC's Pro Day, by the way. Uh, we come back to the same thing with Zay constantly. Is 14 too rich for Zay Flowers? Is the 14th overall pick is he worth the 14th overall pick? Because I, I can't sit here and say that I like Brandon Cook's pairing with Juju and say that I don't like Zay Flowers' pairing with Juju because I think those guys are very similar games. I actually think Zay Flowers, maybe not quite the deep threat that 
that Brandon Cooks is, but is better with the football in his hands and is a better yak guy. But regardless, uh, what do you think about Zay? Again, it comes to bottom. They're not going to get him at 46. Right. So if they're going to pick him, it's going to be in the first round. Yeah, I... I wonder about him beating press in the NFL. That's the one thing I worry about because if he can't yeah. get off the line, that field stretching doesn't matter, right? And- yeah. He has some really good reps against press, but they're so the sample size is it's really, so really small. small. And I mean, against- Taekwon also had some really good reps against press, by the way, too. So, right. you know, that, that. And like against who? The ACC yeah. was terrible this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, last year you had guys like Andrew Booth, right? But right. even Clemson at a down year at corner. So I just. They could do it. Like, I could see it, but I don't think that's necessarily the best path to get where they need to be. It's not an incorrect path. Yeah. But I don't think it's the best path to get where they need to be. No. I I, I know that the 40 time, like, doesn't, doesn't really – shouldn't matter that much to me. It's It doesn't, but him only running a 4-4-2 that – I think he put on the weight for good reason, but I think that if he hadn't – put on the weight and he came to the combine at 170 which was what he was at the shrine bowl i think zay probably runs in the four threes and we're not i'm not necessarily as hung up on that but 442 is good speed it's above average speed it's 75 fifth percentile speed but it's not sure it's not 90th percentile speed right, right. like he's he doesn't have taekwon speed he doesn't even have you know brandon cook speed so that that's just something to think about about the vertical element in the press coverage uh, like you said all right fly through these uh another uk caller cheddars in the uk we got a couple of these today hey uh, i'll start with uh, i'll apologize and you can laugh at this line for overthinking this one i suspect i liked the way that you guys sort of ended pu just then saying hey look quarterback is not a position the pats are going to be looking at this year this this draft that's not one to be looking ahead as we know by the end of the year pretty much one way or the other they're going to have to have made a decision about Mac. Are you going to look to keep him the fifth year? Are you thinking that he's beyond that? Or are you looking for something else? So I guess the, the question I've got, because I, I, whilst I watch some college football, I'm, I'm not as up on my knowledge of that. Looking ahead to the draft next year, how strong, generally, how strong is that quarterback draft meant to be. Now, the reason I say that is not because I want you to start throwing names at me for, hey, this is someone that could be looking at. But it's more of, if Bill's looking at it and going, hey, next year we, we're going to have to make a decision with quarterback. The draft isn't that strong. Could we be in a position of looking back and saying, hey, if we'd have made a decision last year, we could have got Lamar. And again, I'm not saying I want to sign Lamar now, but are the options this year stronger what options may be available next year and could those be considerations that the Pats potentially make on pulling the trigger earlier than is maybe needed? Yeah, it's it's a fair question, Charles. Thanks for the call and uh shout out to the friends across the pond. But yep. I so the question basically is 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 the is the quarterback class and the quarterback market gonna get better than it is right now? The class sir and look it's quarterbacks we, the we hardest. This. Right. Quarterbacks the hardest position to project moving forward, especially now with the transfer portal and guys move around and guys have more incentive to stay. But so I'll, everybody looks at this class. Oh, it's good. It's a good class. There's there's four quarterbacks that can go in the top ten. First off, one of them shouldn't. In Will Levis, I think he's going to get overdrafted. 
I'm, I'm glad you didn't say Anthony Richardson. Oh no, I, I'm should. a big fan. Of, like it, we've we've done Anthony Richardson. I'm a yeah. big fan of his. Yeah. We'll see. I love his upside. Um, but there's four quarterbacks who should go in the top ten. One of them shouldn't. Then there's only two other quarterbacks who are going to go in the top 150. Yeah, like it's not. There's no depth here. And I, by the way, I would say most of these those guys who are of those top three, they're not the first overall pick. Or eh, some of them might have been the first overall pick last year. They're not the year before that, and they wouldn't be next year. Right. Like I wouldn't. We don't have a consensus it's number a tough, one quarterback. It's a tough quarterback class because there is no middle class. Right. I look at next year, and I know he said don't throw out names, so I'll restrain myself. But like yeah. next year's class, there were a, the reason there's no middle of the quarterback class this year is because all of those guys stayed in school. Right. Grayson McCall, KJ Jefferson. Uh, Jackson Dart stayed in school. They could have come out. Yeah. They didn't. Next year, everybody said, oh, just draft Jalen Hurts. Just go get the athletic quarterback in the second round like the Eagles did. None of those guys are in this class. They're all there next year. So next year is a much stronger class for quarterbacks. It's a better class than the draft for quarterbacks. Alex, you, you've been doing this with me since Lamar's rookie season, I think. Yeah. You know how much I love Lamar Jackson. My, and my opinion has changed. You know how much I love I Lamar like him. Jackson. He's, you, he's, know, yeah. you know he's one of my favorite players in the league. I just I can't wrap my head around that being a move that this organization would make. I'm not saying it's a move that they shouldn't. Like I, I'm all on board with it. The only guy uh, – let me put it to you this way. The only guy that – because I like Mac too. I don't want people to take it that I, I'm out on Mac. But just because – if it's a – clear obvious upgrade if it's a guy who's won an mvp then you then you do it right it's the same thing about you know we did this months ago oh well if brady's a free agent would you take him back yeah oh so you hate mac no yeah but he's tom brady right it's lamar jackson is in that category for me of okay in this case yeah absolutely I, i i think that you go and you you would make a move like that would they I I don't think so, and I I do think it's fair to to look at the quarterbacks and and look at Mac Jones and give it one more year and yeah into into year four now uh, where they will have to make a decision on the fifth year option next May maybe that's when you go and you make that that Jalen Hurts pick that everybody right. wants them to do in this draft cycle the only guy that's in that middle class at quarterback right now in this class is maybe Hooker but Hooker is hurt. And older, yeah. There's and, really not a ton of upside with him. Like yeah. he'll come in and be pretty good, but I don't think there's a ton of upside with him. All right, Dan and Chestnut Hill. Dan, you must have seen Zay Flowers a few times. Hey guys, what's up? Hey. Um. So as much as I want to gloat about Zay Flowers and how much I love him, I had a, <laughs> a different idea that I wanted to run your. Um. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about. Like Jerry Judy, and obviously, we know the Patriots are just never going to give up like significant draft capital for a receiver, and then want to have to pay him. Right. Um, but what are the odds we like trade Kendrick Bourne per se instead of? I know he's not worth like a first rounder, but like how far would he go in like contributing to a trade? I I, I actually like the the idea that Dan's proposing, which is thanks for the call, Dan. What what if instead of giving up all that draft capital, yeah. you also tack a player onto the trade, and it's maybe a second round pick in Kendrick Bourne instead of just a first round pick for Jerry Judy? Uh, we we talked about it 
briefly, I guess we can talk about it a little bit more. There's an emailer here, Alex, also at, you know asking why why not D Hop, right? Why are right. we out on D Hop now? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm out on D Hop. I think D Hop is too talented. It's kind of similar to the Lamar Jackson thing, where it's it's DeAndre Hopkins, right? right? Like if you could get DeAndre Hopkins, you get DeAndre Hopkins. I, I don't think that Styles and things like that uh, are a big concern. With Judy, style is a concern to me. With with Juju, I think that those guys have would have a ton of route tree overlap. Like you know, both guys I think really are power slots. Really belong in the middle of the field. Yeah, are running in breakers uh, over the middle between the numbers. Uh, I. Both good yak guys for their size and, and for their skill set. They're better after the catch than you would expect. So I don't know if I see the fit anymore for Judy, who we both really like as a player, but I think they might be redundant. So, yeah, it's redundant. Again, you need somebody who's going to play outside the numbers who's going to keep defenses honest out there. And that's could Jerry Judy do that? Maybe. But if you're going to give up what it costs to get him, give it up to get a true outside receiver instead of having a guy change positions like yeah because judy's played on the outside he's done it he can do it but it's like he's a part of his value is his formational versatility yeah and i think you're just you're playing both of those guys are z's they're both z receivers neither one of them is a true x juju played some reps at the x last year in kansas city just because he has that versatility to play 40 percent of his snaps on the outside uh, but he's a 60 percent slot receiver throughout his right. career he's he's a slot guy and all i was gonna add something and now i lost my train of thought well we can take this call okay, maybe yeah. you'll get it back yeah what's, what's up mark hello hey, hey you're on the air oh great uh um so uh, i'm going to propose i won't give up on number one I won't even probably give one up for Hopkins. Um, I think that Brandon Cook is worth discussing. If it's not either, one, uh, 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 you know, if it's a three, uh, but since the pass to play market rate for Hopkins example, I think that's going to lead us to pull the draft, and that we take anyone in the top four at fourteen. Um, you, you, I'm going to push back a little bit on Juju here. I think I think the strength of the draft of wide receiver is disease. Um, so this will require you to play outside and the patch trade up from 46 into the 30s. Well, you're going to get a good slot, and those maybe might get Addison, definitely uh, Josh Downs, and then you wouldn't have to trade up for Fence. You could get him right at 46. And I do believe Taekwon can step up. So then you got Taekwon outside, you got Juju outside, and you've got your new dynamic young slot coming at uh, in, in the 30s. Okay. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Okay, Mark, thanks for the call. I think I, I got like half of that. I think we were able to piece together. Your phone was uh, going in and out there a little bit. Were Mark. you? I, I, You're going to have to translate so for me. So... At 14, I, th- I think he was talking tackles. All right. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in on that. I'm not sure, but I'm, that's where I wanted to go anyway. So I'm sure. just going to take us there. Uh, regardless. Wait, I remembered what I was going to say before, though. Okay. But w- the other thing that he was mentioning, I think, was like the pure slot guys that yeah. are in the draft. You know, JSN, Zay Flowers. I think he mentioned Josh Downs. Yeah. And I heard him say play Juju on the outside. Yeah. It's just, it's not. No. No. So, but I do think that they, t- to his point, to, you know, I, I, I do think that there is still that potential of that Danny Amendola Edelman style slot, right? Welker style slot that maybe, you know, Juju's intermediate, that guy's short, and then you have a deep guy. Like, I think that that could work uh, in theory. So I don't, I wouldn't totally rule out a player like that, uh, but I think that that 
that skill set is now something that if they want it is probably better suited in a day three type of pick, yeah. right? I don't think you're, they necessarily should be looking at the Josh Downs of the world and who I like a lot. I, I, yeah, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the the right use of that asset, knowing that Juju is going to play so much on the inside. But if you wanted to talk to me, and, and I've grown on this player, Alex Charlie Jones. I was like, about if, to say, if you want to talk to me, into I Charlie can't believe Jones, you like Charlie Jones. This uh, is excellent. The kid from Liberty that we saw at the, the Demario Douglas. Yeah, like if you want to talk me into some of those Rick guys, Jared. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. I think Raheem Jarrett's more of like a, a vertical slot than like a true jitterbug. Okay, I get what you're saying. But yeah. yeah, but still, like if you want to talk me into, uh, you know, showing him uh, on the TV behind us, like Hunter Renfro's of the world, right? Like yeah. I, I think that that guy still has a place in this offense, and that might not necessarily be Juju's game. But what were you sure. going to say? Uh, to to the last caller's point, I would not trade Kendrick Bourne right now. Okay, his value could not be lower. That's fair. Like you sat him all last year just to trade him when he was an incredibly tradable asset last summer keep them see what you can get out of them you're just uh, not going to get what he's worth yeah no that's that's a fair point all right nick in rhode island and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about these free agent tackles and the other guys that they signed but Good. what's up nick hey guys how are you so i called a couple weeks ago i brought up cody mock i will mention him again but really quick what was andre dillard projected to start at left tackle if we were to get him that's my first part of this question if they were going to pay him that kind of money yeah. then yeah and then probably trent back to the right side yeah yeah Okay, so then we're then Anderson's a downgrade then, correct? I think in the eyes of the league, certainly, but I, we're going to get to a little bit more of an Anderson breakdown here in a sec. I, I don't, I don't know how much of a downgrade that is, honestly. Okay, well, I guess my my question to preface from that was I, to me, this draft, the sweet spot is like twenty five to like fifty. So this is based on like the million PFF mock drafts I've done. But so I, because of that, I, I just wonder if we should trade down. I, I just think we should double dip at the tackle with like the interior guy. So I don't know what you guys think of Matthew Bergeron. I think you know he didn't stand out to me initially when I watched him, but he's got really good strength, upper body strength. He's really like holding people off. I was really impressed by his tape. And then somehow it's either Cody Mock or someone else. We got to get like if, if our you know if there's not a lot of offensive talent you know with the skill positions in this draft. I think the way you make everybody better is just to get a great line. So why not double dip early? That's my question, guys. Yeah, so that perfect segue for us, Nick. And I, I, I just quickly, Bergeron's a guy that's grown on me a little bit too. He he measured in a little bit longer and a little bit taller at the combine. I, th- I thought he really was going to measure in like a guard. And, yep. and he has a little bit more length that he can play tackle uh, potentially in the league. Uh, he's somebody that's grown on me. But I've heard a lot, and uh, the contracts came out this morning uh, for Riley. It was actually late last night, I think, some people. People yeah. had him. Uh, Riley Riley Reef's contract basically guarantees him a roster spot. Like that's yeah, that's for sure. one year, five million, four and change guaranteed. Yeah, with uh, some He's incentives to make a, a decent amount of money. And by the way, uh, they'd only open up. It's less than a million. It's like eight hundred thousand if they cut him. Yeah, so, so he's making the team. He's probably making the team. I think. I think it's fair to say that the contract makes him a lock to make the roster. Yeah. I, in terms of starting, though, I have a lot of reservations. I do not like the idea of Riley Reef being your starting right tackle for the season. Now, if he's your starting right tackle for the first month because the, you know they draft Darnell Washington and they or uh, Darnell Wright, not excuse Darnell me, Washington. yeah, well, they, I thought we were past Darnell Washington being a tackle, Evan. Dar- Darnell Washington could probably play right tackle too. Uh, but yeah, four. He's around a four six. Yeah, uh, Darnell Wright. If they draft him, yeah. you know they they find a way to get him in the second round or something like that, right? Yeah. And he's not 100% ready to throw him to the fire in week one. And they want Riley Reef to be a, a very, very brief 
bridge to yeah. the, the future at that spot, then I'm okay with that. But counting on a 34-year-old Riley Reef to start 17 games and hopefully 17-plus games yeah. for you next year is asking a lot of that player. And I agree with you. I think that they're going to – that contract tells me he's going to make the team. He's going to compete to start. He yeah. would be the – as they are – and there's still some guys that have to sign contracts, so this might come down. But as of today, he is tied as the 15th highest paid right tackle in football. That's top half. Jeez. I, I just look – So and But here's the thing. So I have this long run – long running. It's like two years. But basically since Matt Groh <laughs> took over, right? Long running joke. There, no, long two running take. Oh. 2021, yeah, their first round draft pick, throw out positional value. They took, they addressed the biggest hole in the depth chart. It was quarterback. Last year, what did they do? They addressed the biggest hole on the depth chart. It was guard. Yeah. What's the biggest hole in the depth chart right now, Evan? Tackle. Especially now that they signed Juju. Which tackle? I, th- I think I, it's clear they see Trent as on the left side. Yeah. I guess because of the guys that they reef. Yeah. You know who's back in play? You know who's really in play now? Who? Dewan Jones. He is. He is. I it just you take Dewan Jones at fourteen, and if he needs time or whatever, it's Riley Reef. But yeah, if they follow that pattern, right? That they and look, it's not as obvious this year as it was the last couple of years. You could make an argument. The biggest hole is free safety. Although they yeah. met with Taylor Rapp today, so if he signs, I think that's that out. they're gonna go. I think they're gonna be a, a safety by committee. Okay, so but again, like just just to. Play the exercise out. You can yes. make an argument it's free safety. Right. I don't think it is because the committee thing. And then if they sign yeah. Taylor Rapp, that's that's it. It's a wrap. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying that. You you could make an argument that uh, the biggest hole on the depth chart is at boundary or receiver. But again, yeah. they just drafted Tyquan. I think they give him a shot. Right. Also, if they had a veteran there, that leaves us with right tackle. Yeah, or just tackle in general. Because I heard a lot of this yesterday, and I, 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 I know, but Dewan, I, I've had to spend the whole off season saying Dewan Jones is my favorite player in this draft, but he doesn't make sense for the Patriots. Finally, the tables have turned. So Reef and Calvin Anderson, uh, go over the, those two guys a little bit, and then we'll get to James Robinson before we wrap as well. Reef worries me a lot that they gave him that money because I really thought they looked at him and they thought. Good locker room guy, good leadership quality. He has that that snarl or that competitiveness that you like at that position. The Bears really talked about him as somebody who was great for the locker room and was sort of a tone setter for their running game, right? He really yeah. brought that kind of lunch pail attitude, get your hard hat on. But at the same time, when I, I watched him on film, uh, his his foot speed and his ability to protect his edge has really declined. And you're talking about having a very, I, I texted you this earlier, a, a very, very shallow pocket, right? Like you're not going to be able to, to to drop to 8, 10, 10 yards, you know, 8 to 10 yards with him playing right tackle. Uh, he had a lot of trouble. I, I watched that game uh, last year that he started in against Minnesota. You know, Daniel Hunter and those guys coming off his edge and, and you know, speed rushers coming off the edge. Right. He had a lot of trouble getting to that landmark and, and getting to that set point and being able uh, to protect that, that pocket. So I think he's good through the middle, right? If you're you know you're asking him to go downhill, I think he could still run block, get on a combination block, and push some guys around. I think he can certainly still do those things. Pass protection worries me a lot. Now, Calvin Anderson, though, he's a fun player. 
to watch on film because that's a guy that has a ton of athletic upside. You can see it. I watched maybe three or four plays of his from last year, and I'm already like, whoa, Like this this guy's explosiveness out of his stance and range just pops right away. You know, you can just see his movement is just really sudden and quick, and uh, he really is a dynamic mover. So he's got some upside, but his technique has not improved in the four years he's been in the NFL, and he's been with some good coaches. I know that the coaching wasn't great last year in Denver, uh, but Munchak's been their offensive line. Yeah. He's a, one of the best, right? You know, it's like Dante Munchak, right? Like that's like the, the offensive line coach, uh, Mount Rushmore right there. So the fact that he hasn't been able to develop his technique, uh, he's somebody that, uh, his hand usage needs work. His posture needs work. You know, he bends over and kind of leans into his blocks, which gets him off balance. Uh, I have concerns about him being consistent in his pass sets. Sure. Uh, but his his upside and his, his good film is really, really good. Riley Reef is a floor player, right? Like, that's a guy right. that you know what you're getting, and you just – I don't think – big take out of all this – I got a little pushback about this yesterday. I was surprised. This does not by any means take tackle off the board at 14. No. It doesn't. No. The Patriots are still very much in the top of the tackle market in the draft. They were not interested in paying for a tackle in free agency. Doesn't seem like it. They were not interested at all. They they weren't in on McGlinchey. They weren't in on Orlando Brown. Uh, They weren't in on Caleb McGarry. Like, those guys, they, they were not in on it. Andre Dillard was their ceiling. And then they pivoted to the the more the value plays, right? right. The, the Andersons and the Reefs of the world. Anderson, I like. I think Anderson's got some upside. I think Anderson, uh, ha- his best football might be ahead of him. Riley Reef is certainly the opposite, right? His best football is behind him. And the Patriots still absolutely need to address tackle early in the draft. But what this allows them to do is pick their spot up with it a little bit more because they do have two guys that could potentially start maybe not the most ideal starter but if they get to 14 and they just absolutely love a player at another position and they want to take him they don't have to take a tackle right I think they should take a I tackle. I still think they should though and they I should, think there's a really to. good chance the best player on the board of 14 is going to be a tackle I, I agree with you there I think that that's the biggest thing and you know, we're talking about this on unfiltered like what's the plan right now right to me when I look at a lot of the things that they've filled out the plan is to get to the draft and not have another Cole Strange situation where you have put yourself in a corner that you absolutely need to take a guard, right? Like you don't have a starting guard on your roster if a game were to be played tomorrow. If a game were to be played tomorrow, they might not have the best tackles in the in football they might not have great tackles but they would have tackles right that they could start in an nfl game you know riley reeve can start in a game calvin anderson can start in a game McDermott so i was gonna say I, I for some reason i haven't thought about it in this sense yet if they had, if they did have to play a game today is riley Reef starting a right tackle or is it connor mcdermott i know the money suggests reef but who's the better player because i think that's actually kind of a close one right now yeah i just again with with Reef, it's just about the foot speed. It's about the range, the foot speed. Like on an island, can he pass protect against a good rusher? I, I I don't know if he can still do that. I don't know if he still has that in his bag. I have more optimism that, especially if reportedly Adrian Clem is in the mix, then I have more optimism that maybe they can coach up a guy like Anderson to be a higher level player yeah. than Riley Reef. But I think McDermott and Reef are your floor guys. Those are the guys that can at least hold down the position. So 
when I look at their roster right now, they're in a, they're in a better spot than they were this time last offseason. This time last offseason, they had traded Shaq Mason. They had let Ted Karras go to the Bengals. Uh, they had holes. I, I don't think there are any super obvious holes. We're still looking for those top dogs in a few right. places, but I don't think that there are you know gaping holes in the roster, which I think is what they're trying to do in free agency, is they're trying to play that game. They're not trying to go and win free agency. They're not trying to win the Super Bowl by being the best football team on paper on March 16th. They're trying to fill out needs. They're trying to fill gaps in their roster. They signed two tackles. They replaced Jacoby Myers right away with Juju. And then they signed James Robinson, who's the last guy that we haven't talked about. This one I'm a little bit wary of, too. I'm not... I'm not totally against the signing because I can see the potential with the player. It's also like one point, I think uh, two million. That's guaranteed. not my. It's not about the money. Uh, my biggest fear uh, with this signing is that they're going to do that thing where they're going to bury Pierre Strong behind Ramondre and behind James Robinson because James Robinson is the steady veteran with experience. Wasn't there or, already a chance they did that with Ty Montgomery? I suppose I he, throw him in there. So too. I, I get what you're saying, but to me, whatever the James Robinson is between James Robinson and Ty Montgomery. They've both been hurt, right? Yeah. The idea is one of them will give you whatever they want out of that role, whether that's burying Pierre Strong, whether that's backing up Pierre Strong. That's it's it's those two guys competing for that one role. I think if their plan is to bury Pierre Strong, they're going to do it was, anyway. <laughs> that was the it, it, it was going to be Ty Montgomery. It was going to be somebody or it was else, right? Be David so Harris or whatever. Yeah. Right. So I'm not look. They need need Evan a true pass catching back this year. They yeah. cannot have Ramondre Steven have Ramondre Stevenson have another season of a 70% usage rate. How many times did we go through this during the regular season? He's going to get worn out. He's going to get worn out. And what happened late in the year? He wasn't effective anymore. They need to take something off his plate. As many, I think that that guy should be Pierre strong limited sample size last year. He looked like he can do it, Yeah, but have as many options as possible because we can't, get to Thanksgiving next year and Ramondre Stevenson's the only back on the roster again because we just saw what that looked like. Yeah, they're definitely trying to build out that depth Yeah, and it's an insurance in case Pierre Strong can't take on a bigger role. They have a guy in James Robinson. And that's what I think it is. He's going to compete with Ty Montgomery to be that, you know, all right, well, if Pierre Strong has a learning curve, here's the other guy. Yeah, but at at the same time, I just – I keep coming back to Pierre Strong's ability, game-breaking ability. Oh, I, I is, hope he doesn't get buried. Yeah, I just want I want that guy to get some opportunity. I want him on the field. I want him with the football in his hands and see what he can do because a couple of flashes that we saw last year. and they I get, were nice. I get it was 10 carries, right? It was literally 10 carries. Yeah. Uh, and a couple that. catches. But the, the game against Arizona, and I know the Cardinals were not good last year, so you can use all the excuses and caveats that you want. But that game against Arizona, when he goes five for 70, right, with right. a 40 something yard run, that's a level of big playability explosiveness that this team desperately needs. And maybe he gets in there and he breaks one for 40 yards, right? Yeah. And those are the types of things that they should be looking for. That's, that's what they need in this offense. 2014, James White had 14 touches. Yeah. They signed Deion Lewis that offseason, who actually, in terms of the. Uh, career arc is similar to James Robinson. Had a really good start, got hurt, yeah. you know, kind of turned into a backup player. Would we be sitting here March 16th, March 16th, 2015, saying, oh, no, they're going to bury James White? Right. Pro- we probably would be. 
Yeah. And then what happened? He became like one of the most reliable pass right. catchers in the history of the organization. So I'm not like super worried about that. I just want all the opportunities I just, to appear. I do, I do. but I also I, I say this all the time. People love to complain about running backs and what like last year, why'd they draft two running backs? Yeah, yeah. That's too many. They have Ramondre. He's good. I would rather do what they did there though than than pay. Sure, these but veterans. but here's my point. Everybody complained they invested too much in running backs last year, and we got to the end of the year, and what happened? They had no running backs. Okay, but you need... But counterpoint, yeah. did they have no running backs? Because for some reason, they have this this roadblock with paying okay, rookies, Okay, that's true. Right? Well, like, so they didn't So they didn't add a rookie. They added James Robinson. It takes... A, a, you need five running backs to yeah. get through an NFL season. You yeah. don't need them all on your roster at once. But between the practice squad and just, you know, maybe it's a guy you sign early in the season, but you need five running backs to get through a season. Yeah. Ramondre, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, James Robinson. Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery. For now. And I guess J.J. Taylor, but I to me that ship has sailed. Yeah. But, like, that, that's a good enough group. And they, they didn't spend anything on them and what – right, we've already spent probably too much time. But, like, I don't – I don't worry about him burying Pierre Strong. That would that goes against. I said last year, Pierre Strong's not going to play. Yeah, because that's what oh, the we knew trend that. tells us. We knew that. All right, so let's keep following the trend. If we keep following the trend, he's in for a much bigger role this so year. So James Robinson, that to, to talk a little bit about James Robinson and not all about yeah. Pierre Strong, who I clearly like. Uh, James James Robinson going. I, I went back to his twenty twenty one tape a little bit because I I do feel like that's the guy they're hoping they're getting. It's it's one year he so he tore his, his Achilles, Achilles the late the in the year. 21 season. So yeah. it's the whole thing like ACLs, right? Yeah. A year removed from a serious lower now, body injury. The concern adding to my concern yep. is that for that position, for the running back position, the Achilles tear is is literally a death sentence, right? Yeah. You know, that's one injury for that position in particular where guys statistically very very few guys have bounced back from an achilles tear now james robinson tore his achilles in december 2021 and was healthy for week one of last year and that's admirable like that that ability to get back that quickly so maybe he's one of those guys that is just a little bit of like one of those freak healers right that just that can bounce back from this but from a statistical perspective if you tear your achilles as a running back that that's typically you never get that burst back you never get that same level of acceleration and explosiveness so we'll see but i think that going back to his 2021 tape i was intrigued by the fact that he's not just a runner like he can catch the football and he can run some routes like they actually detached him from the formation oh, I, sometimes and ran routes that's the reason like i don't if they had signed like a traditional early down back i'd be annoyed yeah because that's what Ramondre's role should be no i like that they went at, you know whose skill set's actually sort of similar to you might be on the same page or who was we'll start with no i do you go first. no i, I want to no, see if we have the same player r yeah rex burkett yeah, hey, oh look, look at that. that look at that we spend too much time together <laughs> look at that like these two get these two guys yeah skill sets i don't does he play special teams actually i, I, to check I don't that know last but, night. but that's exactly who i thought of when i saw them sign him and he's rex burkett he's kind of got that same build too rex like burkett is also a free agent but james robinson in theory is a younger rex burkett much younger yeah yeah so is he somebody that went 100 percent healthy and taking RB2 reps behind Ramondre Stevenson could be, you know, giving you a couple hundred rushing yards and a couple hundred receiving yards. Doesn't play special teams, though. I, I think he could. Now, he's not 
he's not James White, right? Like, in Rex Burkhead wasn't either as a passing back. But Rex Burkett did have the ability to get open against a linebacker, not necessarily as open or as consistently as somebody like James White. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of Rex Burkett there. Maybe they maybe they train him on special teams. I don't know. Maybe maybe they, that's something he can pick up as a guy that's not going to be a starter. I also give him this in Jacksonville. They try to replace him multiple times. Like Travis Etienne comes in. Uh, Carlos Hyde came in right when Urban Meyer first got there. They kept on trying to replace the guy, and he just kept on outperforming. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. That replacements. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that as well. Uh, we got an email, Alex, that you're really going to enjoy. Oh, boy. All right. So this is from- Let me guess. It's about kickers and punters. No, no, no. This is about me. Uh, this is uh, from Tim in New Hampshire. He said, is it possible that you, Evan, t- talking to me, uh, really like JSS because you just watch his tape? When did you watch the tape, Evan? Mm. Subject line, Evan's recency bias. Hmm. This is interesting. <laughs> is this a product of me just watching him yesterday? Well, okay. And so falling in love. Here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. I would assume you will watch some other players between now and the next show. That's true. If not, just can you watch a couple wide receivers, <laughs> and we'll revisit. Because maybe no. we come on the next show and Evan says, you know what? Uh, I've changed my opinion a little uh, bit on Juju Smith-Schuster. Should have kept Jacoby. No. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show. I think I mentioned it on Unfiltered, too. I actually saw Juju play live uh, three or four times at USC yeah. uh, in college and loved him then. I uh, thought that he would be a great fit here in New England because of his slot and yak ability and all the things we talked about earlier uh he had some really big games happened to have some big games in the games that i went to and this was i was still a young buck i was still trying to get into this industry Uh, i knew the draft was always something that i was super interested in but uh, after one game of watching uh, sam darnold in usc and uh, throwing to the same receiver over and over again i'm like this Juju guy can play. You know, this guy is pretty good. Uh, so, no, I, I've liked Juju for a long time, uh, going back to SC. But this is a – that's a listener. That's somebody that that's pays somebody attention. who knows. This is like a – I – was it today or I forget. I was listening maybe it was the other day that, like, it came up on Unfiltered. Yeah. The recency bias. This oh, is yeah. a thing now. Oh, oh, I owned it on Unfiltered. I was just like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. To, to people who don't know, like, I, he's I very aware of it. Bias. But I like, do. I have to remind you something. So, that's interesting. All right. So – I think it, you need like a palate cleanser now. Whenever you watch a player, you should have to watch another player immediately after and then go back to the first player and say, all right, do I well, really I like try, this? When I, when I do the draft, I do try to do them in batches by position so that yeah. I, I'm seeing the same position over and over again so I can kind of separate well, the so guys. Well, so this is what happened head. like when you watch Zay Flowers. This was back in February. You started, I think you started with Zay Flowers. You yeah, I might have. They because have to, they because have to, he, was, he could be at the Shrine Bowl, so I probably Oh, that's did. what it was, yeah. yeah. And you text me, they have to draft Zay Flowers. They There's draft no Zay. reason they can't. And I said, all right, but well, like watch like these Zay. other couple guys because they're available too. And you're like, no, 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 no. Zay Flowers is the guy. And then you went back and watched the other guys, and you're like, "All right, okay, yeah, maybe they can get a guy later on." Like, I, I I do like Zay. I do. I like know Zay. you do, but you were. And, and I, I hope you were furious that I would not instantly say that they that there's no other acceptable pick at 14. There is no other. No, I think you were talking about like trading up for him at one point. I, I love Zay. I do because I I'm a I'm a sucker for guys that that create separation. I'm not a bit. I know that that's 
Juju's not necessarily that guy. So I guess I can like different types, right? I, I don't, you know, I have different flavors. But in terms of what are my ideal receivers, uh, guys that get open at the top of the route do it for me, right? Like yeah. those are the types of guys I've always gravitated towards. Uh, JSN, Zay Flowers, like those types of players. The Quinton Johnsons of the world, like I can take it or leave it with them. I did really like DK, uh, but for the most part, uh, those big bodied explain, it's not just like Nikhil Harry, you know, whatever it's, it's yeah. all, it's also just because I, I, I've never really been super into those guys, like the route runners, the technicians, uh, the sudden guys at the top of the route. Uh, that's always been the guys that I've, I've always loved. You know, Justin Jefferson's probably my biggest draft crush maybe of all time. Yeah. And, and he was one of those types. Well, of Hey, they too. worked out the guy that started over him his rookie year or they had him for a visit yeah. reportedly. Who? Uh, Dizzy Johnson. Oh, this new this guy that they the, just... The guy from the Vikings? Oh, yeah. Is so, he... he Justin Jefferson's rookie year, that Johnson, it's, uh, I think it's Dizzy. It's uh, like, busy. Busy, busy Johnson. Right, busy, because it's Johnson. short for something. Busy Johnson. Busy Johnson was the starter the first three weeks, and oh then it was Justin Jefferson. So, he, so. Got, he got Wally pipped, is what you're saying. A little bit. A little bit. So, uh, we're going to wrap on this. Uh, I did it again. Uh, do you like Taylor Rapp? Uh, Alex Van Ginkle, uh, I think, is another name that's out there that they're uh, purportedly having in, I think, for a visit. And then you mentioned Busy Johnson, who I'm going to admit I've been on the radio for most of the time, so I haven't really done much homework on him. But in terms of uh, those other two guys, I've obviously seen them play a bunch. Taylor Rapp is somebody that uh, I was super, super high on in the draft. Yeah. He's a stud in college. Yes. Awesome college Wait, he's Pac-12 guy. I know. Your Pac-12 bias might not be real. I think it's it's just your excuse for misevaluating players. Wow. Uh, Taylor Rapp was the classic example of everybody thought he had first-round tape. We go into the combine, he runs like a 4-7. Yeah. And and you have to reevaluate the entire thing. Uh, But he plays with – even though he ran a 4-7, he plays with a lot more urgency than that. You know, it's not – you you did this on once upon a time. I'm gonna do it it's kind of like Kendrick Bourne, right? Like Kendrick Bourne, like runs a lot faster than he tested in the right. forty when you actually put the pads on and get him in the game. I think Taylor Rapp's the same way. He plays with a lot of energy. Uh, he's physical. He can come downhill and and, uh, and lay the wood a little bit. He's not a, a true center fielder, uh, but I do think he's an interchangeable safety. Um, so if they want to pair him with Phillips, with Duggar, uh, with, with um. You know, a guy like Jalen Mills potentially yeah. moving over to more of like a safety hybrid role. I think he does have that ability to play single high, play too high, things like that. Look, he's played over 500 snaps each of the last two years at free safety. And yeah. he, he came in as a box, but but he started playing deep more. A couple things I, I like about Taylor Rapp and I think are crucial for that position in the on this team, like to play free safety for the Patriots. Massive shoes to fill. Massive, obviously, right? With yeah. Devin McCourty leaving. First off, and it kind of goes to what you talked about, how he plays faster than maybe he timed. His instincts are great. And we talk about this. I don't know that he's quite at the level Kyle Duggar is, but like he maybe makes up for not being the fastest player because he starts on a play half a step earlier than most other that's players do. That's what he do was like in college. Because he recognized it, right. So His that's, quick and closes. You know, he, in college, I just remember him just absolutely shot out of a cannon yeah. towards the football. So the, And they love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can go through all the guys like that on this roster that they have. That's something they yeah. look at. Um, and the other thing, you need to be a good tackler back there because you're the last line of defense. And a lot of teams... They don't necessarily value tackling ability to free safety because they just want the guy that's quick and can cover all the ground but 
A lot of those guys are small, and suddenly you get a running back in the open field and they can't tackle him. Yeah. Taylor Rapp at a 6.3% missed tackle rate last year that was top 10 in the NFL. Okay, calm down. (laughs) And because he has that background as a box safety, he's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to mix it up. He's also, and I know this is like cliche and dumb and people are going to roll their eyes, but all right, we're knocking Juju Smith-Schuster for this. Uh, Taylor Rapp, I actually, like, I've, I've... Talk to people who know him, like, got in his background yeah. a little bit. This kid freaking loves playing football. Yeah. Like, I could he's... sense that when we talked to him. I talked to him at the combine yeah. when he came out because, like I mentioned, I, I really loved his film. Uh, t- yeah, he, he seems like a guy that 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 really loves it and, and didn't – had to kind of find his way to football, too, yeah. with his background. It wasn't something that was, like, automatic, like, I'm going to play football. He just wanted to play football, and he's loved it. He loves playing football. I think he loves the process of it, like, you know, film, film study, study and yeah. just getting better and, and going through repeated reps. So, I, I'm not – like, I'm, I'm drooling over this guy. I'm not sitting here telling you he's going to be Ed Reed. Right. Like, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. Yeah. But they could – like, so there was that top tier, right? We were talking about guys like Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell and Jordan Poyer – they missed out on that tier. If they're going to go to the second tier, to me, Taylor Rapp is at the top of that second tier. And people are going to roll their eyes and say, yeah. of course they didn't want to pay top dollar at the position. They're going cheap. If you're going to go cheap, and I don't necessarily think Rapp, I don't think Rapp's going to be cheap. Right. Right. But if they're going to go cheap, uh, they're not going to get any better than, than Taylor Rapp. As for Andrew Van Ginkle, tougher read on him. I feel like they keep bringing in these athletic linebackers who are also special teams players. Yeah. It's and kinda, we, he's a little, and it's not just because he kind of looks like him. Like he's Chase Winovich. He is Chase Winovich. I think he's more he's nimble than Chase Winovich. Speedy edge rusher. Here's the thing. They keep bringing in these athletic linebackers that also play special teams. And we say, all right, they're adding athleticism right. at the second level. And then by the end of the year, the guys are just special teamers, nothing else. Yeah, like Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson, Raekwon right. McMillan. I'm like, like, in theory, yeah, I don't hate it, but I, I feel like we're going to get to December and he's just going to be covering kicks. Yeah, that's probably fair. He's definitely somebody, though. Which, like, they need guys to cover kicks, so yeah. show me the money, but, like, I'm I'm much more excited about Taylor Rapp. Uh, Van Ginkle is uh, somebody that he also kind of pops off uh, the film in terms of how much energy he plays with, right? He plays with his hair on fire as the old draft. Oh, he's, he's a high-motor yeah, guy. Yeah, That's kind of why I compared him a little bit to Winovich as well. Uh, Alex, there... Let's wrap on this. I swear I'm done. Stop. All right. Now, like, you're going to make it to the point where I don't want them to sign him. I swear I'm done. Alex, I think, did you email us with with an alias? Because this person says with the Patriots signing Juju, he says his name is Ryan, but I I think this might just be Alex. Yeah. Uh, With the Patriots signing Juju, I think another free agent receiver is off the board in the draft. I think they trade back and then select a tackle. With that. I think oh, I know where this is going. Bryce this wasn't me. Ford Wheaton. I said this on the show last the night. Guy we need. This is you. No, this, I, this is you. I said that on a show Alex last night. Burner account. Yeah. Uh, subject line: Bryce Ford Wheaton is the guy. I said that on a show last night. Look, I said it earlier in this show actually too. If if they want to take an X in the draft, I just the high investment isn't worth it to me. Just She's stumbling. Give Tyquan Thornton a shot at that point. And then I gave you the list earlier. It was Bryce Ford Wheaton. It was Justin Shorter. It was I mean, obviously Bryce is at the top, but Bryce is at the top. I, I don't go get one of the big day Alex, three perimeter guys. Uh, you at one point shared with me that the closest athletic comp to Bryce Ford Wheaton was Calvin Johnson. Like that's it a was, relevant I didn't comparison. Come up with that. I didn't come up with that. It's on the spider graph. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. 
This is why athletic testing takes takes things too too far sometimes. It's like he's like Calvin Johnson, DK Metcalf, like all these just freaks. also hey, DK Metcalf wasn't me. That was Eric Galco who said that. <laughs> he did. He did. You're right. Okay. You're right. So <laughs> look, if you can get him in the fifth round, yeah. And he's got that kind of physical ability. And by the way, he's really good at covering kicks. So at the very least, I think you get a Matthew a Slater gunner. replacement. He's a gunner. They take long snappers in the fifth round. That's a special That's teams round. So Bryce Ford Wheaton uh, as like the fourth round pick because they didn't do wide receiver early. Uh, okay, fine. Like, fine. You, I'm you not, can get look, your guy. You can throw your name in the Don't take Bryce Ford it's Wheaton fine. in the first round. I don't need them to do that. He's they, got a – you remember Miles Boykin, right, at Notre yeah. Dame a couple years ago? He's got a – it's a little bit like Miles Boykin. They've got three fourth-round picks. They can use one on Bryce Ford Wheaton. He, be he, he's – He's got, uh, I'm sorry. He's got okay tape. He's not. He doesn't have great tape. He has okay tape and outstanding athletic. So here's testing, what I'd say right? about his tape, Miles Boykin. It's inconsistent. When he's on, it's good. There's just right. So he, he if they draft him because of recency bias, thank you, Tim. I'm gonna probably go watch his film. I'll pull out like the five ridiculous catches that he made. This last is a year. real and test he, of your recency hey, bias because you do not want me to be right about this. No, I don't. I don't because I, I those are the types of guys that I always say don't draft these guys based off just the combine, right? You got to right. have film and combine. That's why I was there is like film. It's just not like I it, wasn't it, super bullish on Taekwon until you talked me into it uh, because of that. Because no, you I, got more into him than me at one point. You're talking about the release package and everything. Yeah, that was macro. You know, macro after the draft. You know, it's like, oh, this is not just a linear. Regardless, I I'm said not take Taekwon. I said the but. same thing about Taekwon. I'm saying about Bryce Ford Wheaton. Take him early on day three and see what's there because it does feel like there's a lot of potential, even if he maybe doesn't have the production that you might Don't look for. Don't draft people based off their forty times. That's all I, it's I'm not. A, I I. I was texting you about Bryce Ford Wheaton months before he ran that forty. This is not a forty time pick. That's fair. We were you, you talked about him in Vegas. You know he was at the Shrine Bowl. Who uh uh who was it who ran the um DJ Turner's a forty time pick. Yeah, but I liked yes. him too. But anyway, all right. We'll let Joe in Florida uh, take us out here. Joe, what's up? Uh, hi guys. Uh, I'm actually a really big West Virginia fan, so I would be really okay with us taking Ford Wheaton. <laughs> But I was just there we go. The Ford Wheaton uh, I show. To, yeah, I was hoping to catch pictures and filter. I think I called it too late. Normally, I listen to you guys while I'm at work, but I, I actually quit my job so I can listen to you guys during my free time now. Love it. Um, but I was wondering if you thought, uh, like, taking Smith and Jigba in the first round still would be a good pair up with Smith Schuster, or if Smith Schuster is still going to be in like in that spot role. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call, Joe. And I hope you didn't quit your job just to listen to us. I thought I think hope that there was a no, little bit, a little bit more behind that. Uh, we talked about this a little bit already, uh, but this is a, a nice way to end. I the bet show. we didn't get his <laughs> opinion on Dante Stills either. <laughs> we we bookend the show with the wide receiver Country talk Rhodes. and the juju. I think they the lost talk. The March Madness. Guys like JSN to me are now redundant. I I, I love JSN. You know that he's he's yeah. my favorite. Been wide receiver one for me this whole process, but. You can't have two slot guys. You can't have two slower slot guys in particular. Like, if you want to pair right. JSN with a Zay Flowers type, yeah. like, I'm not saying you draft both those guys who would be able to. Well, Demario but, Douglas, I think, would be the yeah, perfect example. Sure. Here. Or just, you know, you went out and you, you got a speed slot in, in free agency, and now, you know, you want to pair him with a power slot. You could do that, but two 
power slots essentially and i don't know if jason's a power slot but you know what i'm trying to it's say a big slot a he's slower, a slower slot. bigger slot receiver uh I, I think you we gotta be a little bit more on the perimeter and certainly a little bit more speed yes. i think that's where we're both at uh, with the next move at wide receiver it pains me to say that because i do really love jason i think he's going to be a great pro i I wish there was a way that I could envision it, that they could maybe put both of those, uh, excuse me, both of those guys together. But I, I just think there's too much overlap and it's it's too much of the same thing and not enough speed but hey, on the field. It's fi- So, all right, we can't do JSN anymore. Yeah, we, but we can do Zay Flowers. Or State Ohio State, Dewan yeah. Jones. Because <laughs> it's totally insane. Dewan Jones is to me what, Z- what, what JSN is to you in this draft. That's fair. Uh, Clara emailed in and, and said that when we were talking about Darnell Washington. Yeah that we should have harped on him potentially also playing tackle, that we had a take there, that Bill loves versatility, and this is a guy that could potentially play tackle and tight end. So, so the Patriots did have a guy once named Michael Williams. Yeah, I remember Michael Williams. Who played both tackle and tight end. He was a tackle at Alabama, or I think he was recruited as a tight end, but was a tackle when he played at Alabama, came into the NFL as a tight end, got moved to tackle, he came here as a – he went, He played both spots. He played both spots. He played both spots. Yeah. And not like Michael, who Omanawa knew the trick formation. Yeah. Like He was like the third string tight end and the third string right tackle on the depth chart. So they've done not it. Totally now, wrong. I don't use a top 50 pick on that guy. Right. But they have done it. He did look good at Georgia's Pro Day yesterday. He, he, could, he continues to look great. I think great he's going to sneak into the first round. I think he's. It's hard to find traits like that. You know, the production's not there, but you can sell yourself on the fact that most tight ends don't produce big time at the college right. level, anyways, in the passing game. And that size, that speed, and that body control yeah. is hard to and find. And you know what? And that strength too. You know yeah. what? It's a little bit like it's kind of like. Remember we did this with the Georgia defenders last year, yeah. where everybody was like, "Oh, well, you know, Jordan Davis doesn't have a ton of production, and Tavon Walker doesn't have a ton of production." And it was like, "Well, yeah, there's so much talent on the field. Right. Most of these first round picks are so much better than everybody else around them. They put up video game numbers on Georgia's defense. You can't do that. Darnell Washington's behind." Brock Bowers, who's going to be a top 10 pick next year. Yeah. And they had a guy named Eric Gilbert, too, who was pretty good at tight end. Washington was kind of on par with him. They sort of swapped him out. If Darnell Washington's on any other team, his production is much better. I, I, I Using yeah. his production is a little misleading in his evaluation because, again, he's behind the best tight end in the country. Right. And he still managed to carve out a role where he's, pro- I, again, I think he's a sneak in the back end of the first round. He's a big dude that can move. You know, yeah. that It's the Bill Parcells thing, right? There's only so many guys on the planet that are six foot seven, yeah. 265 and move like that. So there only so many guys who are six foot eight, 375 and have D one basketball feet too. Evan. He's going to make Dewan Jones a Patriot. That's if right. It's the last thing that he's right. Does. I am. He's going to shout it from the rooftops. Can him, Michael Onwenu, Trent Brown. You're going to run for so many yards behind those three. It's it's. I understand where you're coming from. I do. And and then you got to play action, and then you got Juju on those bang routes off yeah. play action, and now we're talking, right? You 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 throw the screen out to Juju yeah. where you have Dewan Jones pulling in the open field at 380 pounds. There you go. Good luck stopping that. 
All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Alex and I are going to be back next week. Uh, Plenty more free agency talk. I'm sure there'll be some more signings for the Patriots that we'll be able to break down. And uh, we'll we'll get a little bit back more into the draft because that's our bread and butter here in the offseason. And we'll talk, uh, maybe reset the board a little bit for the Patriots. I think by next Thursday we should have a pretty good feel for what they are going to aggressively pursue in in free agency and in the veteran market. Uh, So we'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place. And uh, make sure to Subscribe to Patriots Catch 22 wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.